Yeah, I'm definitely not Ross Cameron. I'm also not being investigated by the SEC, so I'm 100% not Ross Cameron. <laughs> okay, uh, first things first. I went ahead and uh, did. I told you guys I was going to do some studying after the market closed, and I did. Uh, came up with some ideas that we can talk about for the first 10 or 15 minutes before we start. Um, actually charting. It is Wednesday 29th. For the guys listening on Spotify, this is our Wednesday night strategy session. So I did not prepare all the charts. These are just going to be bear charts. I went through a shit ton of stuff, um, and we're just going to talk through it, and I'm going to give you bear charts here. So first things first, I want to throw out two new tickers. They're not new, but um, ones that we haven't really talked about. We have equal weighted energy ticker, RYE, and equal weighted finance ticker, RYF. Okay, so why do these matter? Well, kind of like when we were using RSP to gauge market breadth, RSP being your equal weighted S&P 500 ticker. Um, these are going to be equal weighted in regards to energy and finance, so we're going to get a better understanding of what the breadth of those sectors are. So we look at market breadth in general, what's going on under the surface. Spy is hitting all-time highs, but if market breadth is deteriorating, we know that the majority of stocks are not participating in the rally. We can kind of plan around that. Where should we divvy up most of our capital? Should it be with the big boys, or should we be looking for bargains, etc.? This is the same sort of setup I want you guys to look at, uh, RYF and RYE. Moving forward, now you can find these across the board, these equal weighted ETFs, but this is just a nice uh, way to review market breadth within individual sectors. So I was looking at those, and if you pull either of those up, you're going to see that they look relatively the same. Um, let me put mine out to year to date here. Actually, yeah, year to date's fine. So if we go to year to date, let's pull up RYF as a group. What is RYF telling us right now? First off, is there a horizontal level that it is ranging below? Are we building a base below any horizontal level or zone? I know you guys are shy because Spotify, but you guys are going to have to say something. <laughs> Yeah, what's the level? RYF is, is range-bound below a horizontal level. What's that zone? Like 63.50? Yeah, like 64 to 62, anywhere in there. Now let's pull up RYE. Do we have a horizontal level to play off of? What's that level? Doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah, anywhere around there, 40, 48 to 47, 48 to 46. The point is we have a key level of resistance on both charts, right? And we're in an uptrend in both charts. So equal weighted energy, equal weighted finance. Now that's not surprising. We've been talking about this for two weeks now. Energy has been popping off since the third week of August. And really, on that RYE chart, we see it a lot. It's that inverse head and shoulders that have we've seen lots of charts break out from. I'm going to give you guys one more tip, I guess. You know how you, know how you can add charts together? You can add uh, tickers. We can use RYE and RYF together. So if we type in RYE plus RYF, you get the summation of both charts. Right? So now tell me one more time. Is there a horizontal level there? Yeah, so it's around 108, 110, anywhere around there. Now the point of me bringing this up is we're not going to be obviously trading these ETFs, but this gives us a general idea of what market breadth is doing. And if it's in an uptrend, where would you want to be long? So we're just adding more data to our already slightly biased view set that you generally want to be long energy and finance. We're seeing this reflected in equal weighted ETFs. 
So even though we had a down day yesterday and today we had a mixed bag, some up, some down on energy and finance, the overall trend is still up, right? The next portion of this is, let's see. This is taken from All Star Charts. They uh, wrote a, a nice article about this last week that I actually just read today. They threw a ticker out called EQRR. Equities for rising rates. This is a disgusting ETF with very low liquidity. I want you to look at the price action. It may be easier to put this in a line chart because there's such low volume. Look at the price action and tell me if it resembles that previous chart we just looked at with the equal weighted financials and energy combined. It's damn near the same price action, right? What is that telling us? That equities for raising right, I can never fucking say that, rising rates and the financials and energy equal weight indexes combined show the same sort of price action it's telling us that the market values, financials, and energy is higher when what? When rates are going up or down, does the market tend to like energy and finances? Up, right? So we're seeing EQRR, same sort of price action. As this breaks out, financials and energy-related energy names should follow suit. So we talked about today, we talked about this last week, but today, again, I said I'd do some homework. What happens with financials, energy, and then we added in materials as well with rising rates. Charts are telling us that energy and finance and cyclicals in general tend to do very well. You don't need to understand any of the econ behind this. You don't need to know market theory. All you need to know is that what is price telling you on their respective charts. If you have a chart that says these equities go up when rates are rising and go down when rates are falling and you find another sector that mirrors that, that chart, you have to assume there is a correlation, positive one. And if you don't just assume that, you can actually run a correlation coefficient through TradingView. This passes the eye test. You don't need to do that. If, you, if it makes you feel better, you can. But it, it checks, passes. So energy and finance are the areas that are most likely going to continue in an uptrend if rates do continue to rise and they are poised, they have broken above risk on levels to break out. It doesn't mean they're going to the fucking moon. They're not going to Pluto tomorrow. That's not how this works. But as we see the, the relative strength graph, the rotation graph that we used to run with, uh, with James, you can see this on Coifin. Everything is pointing to go long financials and energy. So if you can find charts, and we looked at these at the end of the day today, if you can find charts showing you areas to risk on and risk off, really think about throwing some cash behind these two sectors. I'm going to go one step further and tell you, based off of Coifin, we looked at this. Well, here, let me ask a question before I, obviously, some, most of you know this, that we're here trading live with us because we talked through this. But for those of you that weren't, if I told you, pick one market cap right now to put your cash in, which one would you say has the highest opportunity? You have three answers, large, mid, or small. Which one do you think has the highest? So JP saying mids or large. Wyatt saying small. Let me see if I have the picture here. One second. I believe I only have a portion of the picture, but it's going to paint the narrative that we're trying to look at here. Let me see if this is it. One second. Here we go. This goes. This is going back year to date. 
This was in the morning, so it doesn't have today's action. But there you go. It's Smalls, right? So it's Smalls, and that's okay, JP. Don't don't worry. Wrong answers are totally okay. But given normalized performance over this year, small cap value has outperformed SPY by 5.73%. So what's the motto in this group? If you want to beat the market, you got to be buying the things that are beating the market. IWM and small caps are starting to show relative strength over the market for the first time. Where inside small caps are showing relative strength? Value. What is value? What are the two biggest sectors of value? It's energy and finance. <laughs> so everything from the rate side, from the small cap world, from the ETFs that make up the insides of the uh, Russell 2000, everything is pointing at energy and finance, and specifically small caps and to some extent mid caps. Value, value, value. This is where it doesn't happen frequently, but this is where we're seeing relative strength in the market over the last few weeks. And this is where I think at least until rates tell us that they're not going to continue up. This is where we should be scanning. This is where we should be looking. This is where we should be allocating capital um, and taking less and less growth names. It's just we're seeing a lot of money flow into these areas, and retail is not caught on yet. Retail has not caught on yet. They're still trying to buy dips in Apple, and Microsoft, things like that. The data is not confirming that. So as of right now, and what we're going to be going through with the scanners tonight is, once again, it's going to be energy, it's going to be finance, and we're also going to throw consumer discretionary in there. We're going to map those out, and we're going to split them up between small, mids, and larges, and we're going to come up with maybe three trading ideas from each market cap. Know that just because there's higher opportunity in small caps, there does come higher risk. It's part of it. That's the trade-off. If you're going to trade something that has a 10% ADR, that ADR can also bite you in the ass to the downside. So understand that you're trading small caps for a bigger opportunity. There is a bigger risk. So you can do two things, play a tighter stop or lower your position size to accommodate that higher elevated risk. Okay. Uh, the last thing I want to point out is uh, materials we wanted to talk about. Long story short, materials. Anybody want to guess? We kind of talked about it at the end. What do you expect materials to do? in an environment where the dollar is moving up. We didn't talk about DXY. I don't want to spend a lot of time yet because as TD said earlier today, we hit a 52-week high, which is a big thing, by the way. Pull up the chart. We'll just use the options bot. It's not going to give us DXY. That's awesome. One sec, I'll just post it. What do you think is going to happen with materials? There's no right or wrong. It's just an idea. We talked about this at the end of the market. Sweet. I'm going to do one better and go back uh, a little bit over a year so we can really see what this recent rally is looking like. But thank you, Mike. So I'll ask you a different question because I want you guys to think about this. You're buying materials in Europe. What currency are you using? They're denominated in dollars. Materials are in dollars. So if you have a euro or you have some other currency, what do you have to do before you buy the materials? You have to fucking convert it. Right, And as the dollar is increasing, the value of whatever local currency you're using is more or less devaluing. So it takes more of your local currency to buy the same amount of material. Do you think in an environment where the dollar has an opportunity to really shoot up and disturb this international ecosystem that producers are going to continue to buy the same amount of materials? Probably not. How does that impact American material-based companies. They're largely internationally focused, and if the international community cannot buy materials because the dollar is expensive, what happens to their bottom lines? Yeah, so this is more of a theory-based approach. We can always look at this, and obviously with anything we do trading-wise, we want to verify it on the charts. Anybody's opinion is worth jack shit. Mine, 
You know, we got fucking PhDs sitting at the White House. Their opinion means jack shit. Price is always going to be king. So we can look out for this. But as of right now, I mean, it's easy to say, hey, look, I told you so. Materials is down 0.41% today. Let's keep an eye on this. If the dollar continues to rise, maybe it would be in our best interest to stay away from materials. Matter of fact, it might even be at some point if we find an opportunity to short materials, you know, grab puts on a base break. Who knows? Anyway, we've spent 19 minutes now going over all that stuff. Do you guys have any general questions? If not, let's move into scans. It, I don't see oil is going to be a little different because oil, there's more suppliers that impact different areas. Like, for example, Russia, right? Russia has already cut supply to oil in Europe. They're doing it right now. Gazprom is doing it. And they said they're doing it temporarily in the short term. But who knows, man? I have no idea. Oil is a completely different beast. But you're right. There could definitely be. Well, then the dollar should go up even more, right? Because the dollar is tied to oil. Yep. I would agree. But I don't, I don't feel confident enough to say that. But yeah, I, I understand your train of thinking and I tend to agree. It's going to be weird. So uh, for those of you that want to go on vacation, this is <laughs> you want to go on vacation when uh, the dollar is, is booming. Okay. Let's move on to scans. Pull up Finviz or whatever scanner you're using. And like I said, let's come up with some trade ideas and let's section them off, small, mids, and larges. So we can have two or three each. Shout out, by the way, to Mike. I know most people here are trading options. And I'm going to tell you, for the newer guys, options were not popular prior to 2020. <laughs> Robinhood and the lockdown made options incredibly popular. Wall Street bets, stuff like that. Before 2020, options were an obscure, minute part of the trading ecosystem. As a matter of fact, most people didn't know what the fucking option was. And today, Mike said something that I laughed at, but I, I appreciate is, <laughs> Mike, do you want to say it really quick? Well, is that appreciating shares more? Yeah. Can you explain <laughs> like, for like two seconds why you're starting to, uh, to appreciate shares more? Just the, the time boundedness of options is just adds a, a complexity of stress that just, like when I just buy shares, even like CEI just bought shares, it's a million times more relaxing to watch that go up and down than to watch XOP go up and down and try to time that that top that exit like perfectly. <laughs> exactly. So you're paying for theta within that premium. But that component actually can obviously work against you, right? So there's huge rewards potentially in options, but the risks are so much more amplified than if you're trading shares. And what Mike said today CEI, right? Is that the ticker you used? Yeah. Somebody want to tell me what the ADR is in, in CEI? It's going to be outlandish, but I want somebody to tell me. Twenty-seven point seven. <laughs> Twenty fucking seven. That means this thing moves on average twenty-seven percent per day. If you cannot make a living <laughs> trading. Off of a 27% per day move, you're not a good trader. That's it. That, that's it. And unfortunately, options and like the community that is based around options now, 27% is not glorified at all. If you made 27% in a single day three years ago, you were Warren fucking Buffett. And now because everyone's on... Social media talking about 1,000% gains every day, 27% is gawked at, and it's the wrong message. So shout out, Mike. That's why I will forever be an equities trader because he's absolutely right. The stress level and the added complexity of the theta component of options makes shares so much more attractive in my mind. Okay, that was my spiel. Nobody ever says that, though, so I had to call it out. C1. 
brand new IPO, this is going to be a big blue sky sort of thing, right? So we called this out end of day. Actually, we'll post charts first and then go through it. But yeah, thank you for posting C1. All right, so I got the 50-day highs up, energy. Let's see what pops up here. Average volume, I'm going to throw over 500K. So some of these are going to be more attractive than others. And if anybody wants to do consumer discretionary, you can do that as well. As always, I will type all of this up so they don't need to be perfect charts. Just throw them, throw them down, talk through them really quick, and I will write them up and throw them in the TD and charts portion. LNG, good name here. That chart we charted a long time ago. 50-day high today. That's a large cap. We're going to find a lot of inside days that ended up running end of day, which is awesome to see. PXD is another one. I've not checked the options chain on these yet, but I'm just throwing them out there as I come along. So those are two large caps. They hit 50-day highs today. I'm going to choose uh, two mid caps that look the best. I think someone's already in COG, but this was a good example of um, an inside day that ran the entire range. So I'm going to go ahead and post that. We post DVN. We've been on DVN for feels like a week and a half or two weeks. Did anybody ever end up taking DVN off of the original breakout? If not, that's fine. It could be setting up for another break, so I'm going to go ahead and post it. We got one that just barely made it into the mid caps. It's just literally broke from small to mid. It's VET. What is this? It's an XOP name out of Canada with a $2 billion market cap. So it's literally on the cusp of mid cap. I'm not going to draw anything here, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post it. As a 5% ADR. So the guys that want exposure to mids and smalls with equities that have a large range this is what we're talking about a five percent adr as always i'll mark these up so that's what i got for energy feel free to keep posting them we found that our zero to three below high let me see how many show up Thirty-eight names show up. I'm not going to chart all these. Thirty-eight names show up on zero to five or zero to three percent below fifty-day highs. That is a lot. There are some very good-looking names here. I'm not going to post it. I know somebody's in COP. Good job on that. Okay, I'm going to move into finance because I posted a bunch of energy.
you're going to find small cap energy plays with options chains. You're most likely not going to find small cap finance plays with options chains. Just letting you guys know now. We've already tried. It's incredibly hard. So if you want exposure to small cap financial names, equities, or KRE, that's your uh, KRE is an options play. That's your opportunity there. 12 names, 50-day highs with mid and large finance. Post some of these names. Me as well on TradingView. Thanks, uh, Mike. I know somebody took Zion. I'm posting it for transparency. I don't think there's an opportunity here. Know somebody took this actually. I don't remember who. Congrats, whoever did. We played that 61 or 62 rake. You're not going to find as volatile of small cap financial names as you do energy, by the way. Energy, you're going to find 5 to 10 percenters. You're not going to find that in small cap finance. Just letting you guys know now. To set your expectations appropriately. Occasionally, you'll grab something in the mid threes. Here's a Western Alliance. Nice BCEI. Bonanza Creek Energy. Cool. I'm actually going to move down to 0 to 3% below high instead of the 50-day highs just because uh, financials had a slightly weaker day-to-day, -day and I want to confirm whether or not the breadth is there. So yeah, okay. Financials had a weaker day than energy, but they still did all right, all things considered. Looking at, there's 52 tickers that are just below their 50-day highs. This setup reminds me of Josh. I'm going to go ahead and post it. Never mind. I'm not. That's a 1% ADR. Not worth it. All right, keep looking through finance and energy. I'm going to run the big blue skies um, scanner really quick. I posted DATS in the study room. Highly encourage you guys to look at that chart and take what you know about the big blue sky setup with the scanner settings and realize that those are the charts that we are scanning for every single fucking day. And... Um, it does not take very many of those types of trades to build your account into something incredible. So, massive fumble on my part, but let's make sure it doesn't happen again. Six names hit 50-day highs today. They're mid-caps, IPO'd recently. C1 was already posted. That's where I've already talked about. I'm going to post these just to get eyes on them. They're not already, though. talked about this one at the end of the trading day frontier it's a jets name obviously airlines 
to me this looks like distribution, markdown, accumulation. If we end up taking this 1650 level to the upside, this could be a decent play here. If you look at some of the other, it has a 4.49 ADR. And if you look at some of the other airline industry ADRs, it falls in line with the same sort of price action, same sort of ADR, slightly higher. But the main thing is, is you know, you have United with a $15 billion market cap. You have American Airlines with a 13.6 billion market cap. And then you have Frontier, who just recently IPO'd at a 3.5%, 3.5 billion rather, uh, market cap. Obviously, Frontier is not as big as those. If you're a phone Frontier, you know what I'm talking about. But the opportunity here for growth is higher. So if you like jets, you like airlines, this is a play that could eventually set up above 1650. I post a few other of these. They're not all ready, but I don't want another DAT situation where we've identified, or we didn't identify, where we missed something just because we didn't scan for it one day. And DATS literally was a one-day fumble, which sucks. You like Frontier better than American Airlines? I don't know. I was a gold member in American and I flew Frontier sometimes because they flew out of Minneapolis and I fucking hated it. <laughs> American wasn't a whole lot better though, to be honest. Mike, have you heard of the SPAC L-I-C-Y? No. I'm posting it just to get eyes on it. I have no idea what it is, but it's been on a fucking ripper for a week and a half, so. SPAC. SPAC suck. All right, I'm going to do 0 to 3% below, and then I'm going to look at small caps, and then we're going to go through the best-looking charts and come up with around six trading ideas. All right, nothing there, 0 to 3. So I'm going to go for smalls now. So I'm really going to target small cap value, what we talked about earlier with the Coifin chart. Filter set is small, under 2 billion market cap, 50-day high, average volume over 500K. We want to know what's being traded. Sector energy, that's all I care about right now. Six names show up, four of them in XOP. Find one that makes sense here. Hey, uh, what, what sector are you working on? I'm, I'm digging into small cap energy. Oh, okay, well, sorry, I can't believe Nope. When you get on later tonight, if you have consumer discretionary you want to post, feel free. Yeah, I gotta go over all the sectors and everything later. It's all good. I know it's your, it's your thing. So I'm, I'm giving consumer discretionary to you. Honestly, now I have Amazon head and shoulders on my radar, and that's kind of, that, like, gives me pause. It could be a fake out, which would be good for XLY, but that head and shoulders plays out. Bye-bye. 
energy, clear risk on, risk off. Yeah. 1.38 billion market cap. Kyle had it on his radar too. He's smarter than me, so that's my uh, biggest. My I don't biggest, know if uh, smarter is the right word. <laughs> He's got the math side down a little better, I think. Okay, that's it for energy. All the rest don't look like shit right now. Going to finance. Let's see, looks like just ETFs, which I do not want to do. GSAH, this might be nothing, but it passes the eye test right away. There you go, here's another SPAC that's creeping up. I don't know if this is ready, but I'm posting it. Okay, last thing I'm gonna do before we go through the, the charts right here is um, I'm just gonna post a updated Koi Fin. Analysis of quarter to date and five days because the quarter's about to roll over. The illustrious hot dog pattern. <laughs> All right, start going through the charts that we posted, and I want to find four to six names that make sense to write up. Doesn't mean they have to be immediately tradable, but I want our eyes on them. So if you see something you like, call it out. We'll chart it. I'm pulling up Koifin really quick. Like NOG? All right, we'll do that first. Feel free, guys, just call them out. Holy smokes, wait till you guys see this quarter to date. What's OVV's market cap, Alex? 
OBB is a uh, 8.7 billion, so yeah, it's a mid cap at that point, but it's still good. Yeah, mids are going to be anywhere between two and ten usually. So you got sector performance here, quarter to date. <laughs> two things I want to point out: energy. Good job. We've <laughs> talked about this for. It's crazy to see on a normalized performance chart going back to July, but good job. We identified this at the beginning of last week. And uh, look at the fall from grace with tech. At one point, tech was up over 5% over SPY, and now it's 2% from July. So tech has definitely been slapped hard. Two biggest relative strength gainers, energy and finance. Chart doesn't lie. Go down to the five-day. Five-day, obviously, we're not going to be making trading decisions off of that, but it, we can start identifying trends early. And then you can identify them influencing the monthly, three-monthly, or quarterly chart. That's when we start taking advantage of the sector rotation, and we happen to do that with energy. It's actually it's been like two weeks now. but So, yeah, proof's in the button. All right, let's go through NOG first. Actually, chart NOG. I want to know, when, when did we first get into our energy plays? Um, first energy plays we got into September 15th. What day is it today? I don't know, man. We've been in energy for over two weeks. Feels good. <laughs> Hopefully some of these positions catch bids and fucking fly. So NOG first. You guys can chart them as well, by the way. Don't be afraid. There's no wrong answer on these. Yep, more or less the exact same thing that I see. So what would this be for a risk on, risk off level? Twenty one forty. You have that right on the spot. So NOG above twenty one forty here. Love this rounded bottom breakout. This is something that we used to trade all the fucking time. So it feels like a throw. Of course, it would be JP posting this as well. JP's a throwback. <laughs> this fractal's a throwback. I love it. Above 50 on the RSI. Showing growing bullish momentum on the MACD. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, JP's been here basically since day one. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, I like NOG a lot, actually. The coolest part is NOG has a 4.5 ADR. It's a small cap below 2 billion. So a small cap energy play, NOG. Love it. So I'm going to pin that. Let's see. Alex said OVV. You can chart it. Eight point seven three. We have traded OVV before. I have shit going back end of last year. Same sort of setup as NOG, right? OVV. What's the risk on risk off level? Anybody want to take a crack at it? I think you're the one that nominated it. What? What do you figure the uh, the area to get in would be at? 33.45. Yeah. I mean, re I mean, realistically, we're inside the zone right now. We closed inside the zone. I'll post my chart. It's more or less the same thing that you guys have. 
So here's a better question. We have a zone clearly identified here with OVV. Where's your risk off? I think that's the harder question. You can press the buy button whenever, real, really. As long as you're above that red box, I think it makes sense to be long. But where are you closing out? Where does it make sense to say my trading idea is invalid? Dusty says 32. What do you guys think? There's no right or wrong. 31.8, so we'll do anywhere between 32 and 31.8. How about that? It's around the same 20 cent differential, that's okay. So the reason why I wanted to bring this up is just to highlight the risk to reward ratio. I agree with you guys on that level, by the way. So if you bought at wherever price is now, we'll say 30, well, I'm just gonna arbitrarily choose 33.50 on the dot. We go down to 31.80, that's the lower bound of our stop. That's around a 4.85% move, right? So two things. Let's say you take a 5% stop. This is a, a mid cap, which it's understandable. What should you be looking for minimum on a 5% stop? How big of a profit to make this make sense? from an equity standpoint. Fifteen percent. But I'm glad I asked this question and Dusty don't feel wrong. The reason why I say this because we have newer guys in the group and we have newer traders in here in general. Uh, I was talking to, I don't remember who it was. Uh, fuck. Oh, it was us, I think Sal. Sal was the guy we were talking to. And he said he was taking profit at 100 and stopping out at 50. So essentially, it's a two to one reward to risk ratio. But um, ego aside, I'll ask you guys a question, specifically the guys that are starting out. Do you win 50% of your trades? Probably no. I don't even win 50% of my trades. <laughs> this year, I'm at 40%. So does it make sense to take profit at 100 and sell or stop out at 50% lose. It doesn't make sense. You're gonna slowly drain your account because you're gonna lose more often than you win and that 50% is gonna take equity out, take equity out, take equity out. And the profits that you do make are not going to make up that difference. Now let's say we skew it to three to one or even four to one or five to one. You're gonna be taking less trades. You're gonna be taking trades that make more sense from a risk to reward standpoint. So for something like OVV, let's say very minimum three to one. If you can find a profit target that makes sense that's more, that's even better. But let's say three to one. So if you're willing to risk 5%, you should be looking to gain at the very minimum 15%. Okay, next step. Someone give me a soft target on OVV if you're buying at 33.50. Now this is a harder question. Tell me why 35. This is objective, by the way. This is no right or wrong. There's a million different ways to take profit. 38, 52, 40, 38. So one person, doesn't have to be everybody. It can be everybody. Tell me how you came up with that number. What gave you that number? Did you uh, calculate a range and then add it to the breakout? Did you use Fibonacci uh, extensions? Did you look at previous resistance, which is probably too outdated at this point? 15% move, that's fine too. Okay, so I'm gonna show you my chart. And like I said, so a soft target should be something that's attainable through some sort of technical analysis, whether that's a, a previous swing pivot high, a Fibonacci extension, something that validates your reward. It's not just, hey, this could go to 15. So I'm glad I asked this. I'm posting the chart. What's the percentage from that breakout area to the 1.618 Fib extension? We use this all the time. Not only in here, but most technical traders use this. What's the percentage on that? 33.50-ish to 40.50-ish. 
cut it down to 40 because we know the law of round numbers. 18 fucking percent. What did we just say we want to target? A three to one, right? If your stop out is 5%, you should be targeting at the minimum 15%. Does 18% fulfill that? And is it realistic to assume that it could hit it based off of a fib extension? There is your scientific process. Like you see how it's like you build a thesis and then you validate that thesis. It's just like when you were in fucking elementary school dropping Mentos and Coke bottles and fucking building volcanoes and stupid shit. Like I'm not kidding. It's a process. This is how you validate does the, does the risk you're looking to incur make sense where the, the potential reward is and does that potential reward make sense? Now it's not always going to be a fib extension. There are guys in here that use it more often than not. Mike uses it a lot. I use it a lot. JJ religiously uses fibs. If you ever see a chart from JJ, he has like 75 fibs on everything, and that's fine. It doesn't matter if you're using a swing pivot high, which we do routinely. It doesn't matter if we're using fibs. It does whatever. But you have to have something to base your, your reward and risk off of. It has to make sense. It can't just be like, oh, I think it's going to do this. Like, give me evidence. Here's your evidence. At the bare minimum, most traders use Fibonacci extensions as soft targets. So you know that if we're targeting that, other people are as well. And there is that whole concept of self-fulfilling prophecy. There is a little element of that when it comes to technical analysis. You get enough retail traders aping into a position. Everybody has the same idea. Look what happens with these small caps with Atlas trading. Like, yes, we can influence charts. It happens. So there's a whole trading idea laid out exactly how we did it. You want to go long above 33.50, you could target that $40 area OVB. Makes sense with a 32 or 31.80 stop out. And when you actually, when you can like look at a chart, I'm telling you guys, the more time you spend looking at charts, you can eyeball this and you can make that decision in 12 seconds. <laughs> like I can, not to brag, obviously I've been doing this a long time and I know some of you guys can do it too, but you can see the setup, you can eyeball the profit, throw the fib levels on to make sure it makes sense and write it down in your notes and take it tomorrow morning. It takes 12 seconds to do that once you get in the habit of knowing what to look for. Okay. Uh, we're almost out of time. I don't want to take you guys over, but I want to go through a few more trading ideas. So we have NOG, we have OVV. I won't go into as much depth this time. Sorry for, hope that helped. Sorry for uh, word vomiting there, but uh, ULCC, let's run through that. Yeah, it is really, it really is ones and zeros, man. I mean, it is. This, is, this isn't like something that sets our group apart. This is just what sets sophisticated people apart. Like, we're not the only group that does that. We may be the only group on TikTok that does that because the barrier to entry on TikTok is about if you can remember to breathe on a consistent basis, you can trade. Um, so whatever. ULCC. You guys nominated that as well. This is going to be a mid-cap play. has a high ADR. So I think one thing we want to take into consideration with ULCC is the – oh, one sec. I drew a terrible trend line here. Um, the ETF that it tracks. Now, I haven't looked, so I don't know if ULCC is in Jets yet. So I can't confirm this. But if you want to trade ULCC, you can confirm the trend – with Jets ETF. And if you look at around the same dates that ULCC IPO'd, you can see that the price action is relatively the same, right? Think of the overall concept. It's the damn near the same sort of action. So if you see Jets pop, Jets right now has an ADR. Here's the last lesson I guess we can impart, and then I'll go do my shit with the, with the charts. Last lesson I'll impart. Since we have newer guys in here, Dom, JME, and Sal, I want one of you guys that have been here for a while to answer this. Ooh, is it really? Oh, I wish I got filled. <laughs> yeah, I just so uh, I saw someone tweeted it. They said that CEI, but I, I looked up the NASDAQ list, and that's is on there. CEI God damn there. it. I missed, I missed by like seven pennies just to grab a, a fucking limit order. All right, really quick. You see Jets, right? Jets is an airline ETF. It holds American Airlines, United Airlines, Spirit Airlines, Delta Airlines, blah, blah, blah. And then you see, you see, what is it, UCLL? 
Why is the ticker UCLL, by the way? UCLL being Frontier. They're damn near the same. Let's say liquidity is the same. So that's a constant. You're going to have no problem getting filled on the options chain, or if you're an equities trader, you're going to have no problem getting into shares. All things considered, which name do you want to own if this is in a strong uptrend? Somebody in the group tell me so the newer guys can see. Okay, can you give me w one sentence why? Yeah, higher ADR. ADR is your average daily range. So how, how you know, much does this generally move in a day? And if you have the exact same price action in the same fucking sector, we see this in energy all the time, and you have to make a decision, you can't own both. Let's say you know it's a binary choice. You have a hundred bucks. You can only buy one. Which one are you owning? It's in your best favor to own the one with the higher ADR. All right. So for the newer guys, if you come up on this, understand that. So ULCC will end the session with this, but I do want to get a trading plan based on it. ULCC, where are we taking this if we wanted it? Where's the line in the sand? Totally agree. Let the losers average losers. Let those guys bet on the fucking bottom tier poverty names or whatever one they think they're. Someone's going to hit the parlay and win a billion dollars, but most people lose. Take the safer route. <laughs> Go with the stronger name. Go with the name that traditionally moves more. Where's the line in the sand for ULCC? Risk on, I should make a, a channel for definitions just so that you guys know, I'm sorry. RON is risk on, ROF is risk off. When we talk about risk on, we mean go long above this. It's in your best interest to be long above this level. ROF is you should close your trade if we're below this because that area that we were looking to attack no longer makes sense. So Dusty said risk on above 1644. Totally agree. I drew the trend line anywhere around 1645, 1650 makes sense to me. So along, we'll say 1650, nice round number, 1650 go long. Where would be a risk off area that makes sense? This is where it comes up to your guys' system, what makes most sense. There's no absolutely correct answer, but if you're going long above 1650, where does it make sense to, to cut it short? Last thing and we're, we're taking off. <laughs> I know we're over. So if we're going long at $16.50, I think it's fair to say anything below $16 is a fake out. That that area is not being attacked the way that it should. And to top it off, to top it off, what setup are we looking at right here with ULCC? For the newer guys that that are on the or that have paid or whatever and you have the access to the education channel go through the TTI system channel when you're done with the the TA crash course and read which play guys which play is ULCC what is it set up for today the BRB I want you guys to know by the way the driven trader has been trading since October of last year and he's only been here for two months I believe so he hasn't even been doing this for a full year. He's already gone the full-time route, and he's picked this shit up like no other. So you guys can do it. Study the material. This is a BRB setup. Today would have been the time to buy. Ironically, 1643 would have been like the area to buy this pullback. We'll see what happens tomorrow. But yeah, this is a BRB setup. We hit it today. We had the high-volume breakout yesterday. This is actually a pretty good-looking chart. I'm going to watch ULCC tomorrow. I have zero exposure to airlines, but it has been uh, acting very well lately. So... You know, maybe this is the play here. All right, I'm four minutes over. Any questions before we cut? I'm going to stop, Craig. <laughs>